It's Wednesday, October 6th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's just me and Tyler this morning. How you doing, dude? I'm tired today, man. I feel like oh, it's been no. a while since I said that, but today is the day. I didn't, I just, I woke up in the middle of the night last night and then just started, I don't know, all my hamsters started running in different directions. I couldn't go back yeah. to sleep. And now I am feeling it. That happened to us, Joanna. And uh, well, <laughs> I wake up at like, what was it? It was about 5 a.m. And there's this glow coming from next to me in the bed. <laughs> I'm like, babe, what are you doing? She's like, ah, oh, we have to get the shot records for the dog printed. And have you got a car for <laughs> us yet? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, we're going. Well, we're going out of town. Uh, yeah, yeah. Next week. Ah, and, uh, this is this is like pre-trip anxiety. Exactly, exactly. Pre-trip anxiety. So you know, I popped out of bed 5:30. I'm like, you know, let's get to it. Let's. You want me to start the laundry? You know. <laughs> Uh, we See, talked occasionally, yeah. I'll wake up at like 5.30 or something like that. This is rare, by the way. Elizabeth would give me a look right now for even implying that I would wake up early ever. But it does <laughs> occasionally happen where I'll just get out of bed and go. Um, but lately, like, if, if I'm going to be all right, what's, oh gosh, what's wrong? Um, uh, lately, if I'm going to be awake in the middle of the night, it's like 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning that I'm awake. It is a completely worthless time to get up and do anything. It's just going right. to wreck your day. And it's it's dark. And like I don't I don't turn my phone on. I don't even attempt to, to make use of the time because it's such a terrible, terrible yeah. time to be awake. And I don't want to prolong it, right? So I don't want to go put a blue screen in front of my face or something like that. Um, the worst part about it is, though, is that I can't usually turn my head off. So I just start running down, you know, different rabbit holes in my head and some of them are useful like how am i going to do this thing or what am i going to do with that stuff or oh i need to you know like I'm, I'm making lists in my head or i'm thinking through a presentation or something like that but but because it's in the middle of the freaking night yeah i can't take notes so i'll wake yep. up in the morning and, and depending on like how i actually wake up you know when it when it's time to get out of bed because you know sometimes you wake up and you're wrong part of the sleep cycle and you're just like super groggy well when that happens there's a good chance I'm not going to remember any of my good ideas the night before. And yeah. then it's just totally wasted mental time. Terrible. I feel like that was last night. I had some good ideas. None of them are stored anywhere, apparently. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Well, That's how yeah, it's going. I, ended up, I ended up going back to bed for like 45 minutes and it was a bad idea because <laughs> and I didn't want to get out of bed no. <laughs> because I had like just started to fall asleep and I'm like, no. Right. So plus my body is just That's like the worst. beat from all the, uh, all the exercising. I'm not going to say the word and you can't get me to say it, but uh, all the exercise. Whatever. You'll tweet about it today. Don't worry. <laughs> what I did think about tweeting about was uh, <laughs> today has been 15 years since I was diagnosed with cancer. The first Holy time. Holy cow. 15 years. 23, man. right? Or 22. Yeah. What was it? 20. Yeah. Uh, yes, twenty three. Yeah, I guess it was twenty. No, it was twenty two. Yeah, it was twenty two. Yeah, yeah. Because you're gonna be. You're I'm thirty seven right 38. now. Next, yeah. that's right. I was yep. thinking me. No, yeah, yeah, I uh I remember that that time period. That was it's crazy. Lots of emotions, all across the crazy, board. Crazy, crazy, crazy. You, your family, okay. Joanna, of course. <sighs> uh, something else I wanted to share with the audience right out of the gate. I was connecting my monitor to my PC with an HDMI port forever. Frustrated with my 30 hertz um, refresh rate, swapped it 
thank you, uh, Daniel, uh, for the heads up on this. Swapped it to DisplayPort, and I immediately jumped to 60 hertz. Double my frame rate, uh, just with a different port. So, different cable. I didn't really know there was that much of a difference. Yeah. Oh, come on. Mini DisplayPort can do all kinds of crazy stuff. I, I wonder, well, I actually, now that you, I, this is, I'm just, no, 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 no. I'm saying yeah. it, it's a much smaller standard. You know, there's, I don't know. I don't know that much about the standards, but it doesn't surprise me that they're able to do quite a bit different. Also, I, I strongly dislike HDMI in general because yeah. of all of the handshake things that they put into it, uh, which have proven to cause issues uh, with, devices and compatibility and and all that sort of stuff super annoying uh what they I just never it. knew that and i don't I, feel like displayport has been as annoying to me <laughs> yeah i just i don't know i'd never really researched displayport and never used it i just kind of had always done hdmi after vga and um mm. was like yeah i don't most know that i necessarily is, need it yeah most of mine's displayport all my yeah no that's the way to go so yeah, it's been there yeah. for a while if y'all are having some, uh, if, if you want to push more out of your monitor, try switching over to DisplayPort because uh, my settings wouldn't let me go higher than 30 hertz on HDMI. And then I immediately was able to go to 60, just swap into, I mean, I literally almost bought a new monitor because frame rate was so low. And um, anyway, cool. I think if Russ was on, he would make sure that you knew that you still need a new monitor. Correct. That's not <laughs> Thanks enough. for representing hurt. him. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I told Daniel, and he's like, "Well, it's not the buttery smooth yeah. 144 hertz. <laughs> you know, you could still double up again if you wanted." I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah. all right, okay." I don't, um, I don't even know what my monitor can do, to be honest. I it's yeah. been so long since I looked at any of that stuff. Well, not enough hertz. then. If it's, it's so fun. long, then that means you've had your monitor for more than a few years. Then there's already something better. When did I get these? Four years going on five. Yeah, sixty hertz. That's yeah, it's time. It. It's time to it's get the not, buttery smooth, 144, nope. whatever. Okay. Unless I can find a big monitor that I can simultaneously display two separate systems on and no. then take it over with one occasionally. Yes. Why would you want to do that? Because that's how I'm set up. Listeners, okay. I mean, you don't have to shame Tyler, but he wants to put two different PCs split screen on the same yep. monitor. Yes. Which and I'm then just I thinking, want to be able to use that same big monitor for one system when it's convenient. Just do a KVM. Like literally have a physical I button next to your monitor. Used, but I can see two systems simultaneously right now and I KVM for input. I don't want to change that because it's super convenient. Like right now, I'm looking at news and recording on my home PC on my left monitor and monitoring morning emails to make sure something doesn't explode on my oh, work that's your problem right now you, you got to turn off the uh the work stuff when we're doing this that's the problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, all right sometimes i like having access to both and that's lots of times so i need that that's what that's what i want panacea for okay. me is one big monitor that i can split two systems on and then take over with one system because then i could sit more comfortably yeah. and not context switch between monitors that are not quite in front of me mm. I did see in Windows 11, you can add multiple desktops, if that makes sense. I think kind of like Mac OS did. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I get it. Or you can switch, way, but, you know, most or like Linux, I think work now, yeah. there's a, a few Linux OS. Yeah, Linux does that, that too. Type. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, speaking of Mac OS, uh, yesterday's Today in Tech History, so October 5th, uh, was when Steve Jobs passed away. 
and um, I won't make you guess the year. It was 2011, but uh, I remember I was standing in a, a taco diner, and uh, they had it up on the TV there. Long battle with uh, pancreatic cancer. And then he passed away October 5th, 2011. Yeah. I remember reading an interesting article about that, that he was what, like a – hyper aggressive i don't know that that's the right way to say it but uh like fruititarian basically and uh the, the article i read yeah he he was like almost exclusively ate fruits um okay. it, it was and uh, yeah and, and look i'm reaching back a good ways because it was probably like 2011 or early 2012 that they talked that about it but, but they actually said that his diet likely contributed to um the speed at which it the pancreatic cancer won, um, and it may have been really? a mistake, but he was rather vocal about it. He was sort of convinced that his diet was making him more healthy, and and yeah. I guess that's quite quite debatable at this point. Wow! So uh, that was random random memory from that for me. <laughs> yeah, his uh, his death was one of those deaths that's like, wow. Yeah, I guess it really doesn't matter how much money you have um, true. when you get sick. It's like we just don't have technology or the capability to fix some things yeah cancer's so. cancer's ugly obviously you know you've, you've got yeah. that intimately but um yeah there, there's still a lot of that i think in the medical space that we haven't overcome and it's really interesting to uh, look at some of those statistics too because if you look at like the list of things that killed americans as an example or or globally mm -hmm. whatever it is um it's, I've found it very interesting to see what's responsible for the most deaths over certain periods of times and things like that. And one of the more interesting statistics that I noticed recently was that things like heart disease still, I think, number one globally. Um, but what's, what I didn't fully appreciate, um, and, and COVID highlighted this a lot because COVID-19 and its, and its variants, like it's, it's one virus, right? Um, it has made its way up on those charts recently, obviously, pandemic and, and all, but things like heart disease and cancer are basically those front runners, but yeah. they represent like hundreds of different avenues to death, right? Yeah. They, they're bucketed because they kind of end in the same way, but it, it's uh, viruses are like over long periods of time absolutely catastrophic to human populations right uh, mm -hmm. like i think i think to date the most deadly is still um malaria and and it kills so many you know tens of thousands a year but it's been doing it for eons basically yeah. um just un, un uninhibited uh, for all intents and purposes that's not entirely true but in in lots of parts of the world and that's why we're so aggressively trying to prevent it but yeah it's some things you just can't escape. Yeah, here I am Googling the deadliest viruses in history. Okay, um, there was something else in the news, though, uh, that I thought was kind of interesting, tied to an earlier part of the conversation here. Uh, there's an article published on CNET 12 hours ago. Steve Jobs wanted Dell to license Mac OS. I oh, never wow. knew that. Yeah, yeah, hmm. never knew that. I guess um, Michael Dell said no. Yeah, and I guess well, no. So or maybe knew to how much he wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was reading through this here, and it you always so it's always interesting because you see stuff like that, and you're like, you know, this deal almost happened. And you're like, well, I guess so and so just didn't didn't you know want it to happen or whatever. Probably a lot more complex than that. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it dives into 
it dives into, I guess, you know, people try to, uh, or these two guys trying to agree on, on uh, how they wanted to license it out. I got to find it back in the article again. But basically, Steve came in and he said, hey, uh, look at this. We've got this Dell desktop and it's running Mac OS. Why don't you license the Mac OS? And uh, Dell thought it was a great idea and told Jobs he'd pay a licensing fee for every PC sold with the Mac OS. But, uh, but Jobs had a counteroffer. He was worried that licensing scheme might undermine Apple's own Mac sales because Dell computers were less oh. costly. Interesting. Yeah. So instead, Dell says uh, Jobs suggested that he load the Mac OS alongside Windows on every mm -hmm. Dell PC and let mm -hmm. customers decide which software to use and then pay right. Apple for every Dell PC sold. Yeah, right. So yeah, That's Dell. A little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dell was like, uh, Michael was like, uh, he said, you know, saying the deal was a nice try on Jobs' part, but it wasn't, quote, an economic proposition that made a lot of sense no, since he'd have not. to pay. Yeah, Michael, so Dell would have to pay Apple hundreds of millions of dollars in licensing fees, even if his PC buyers didn't use the Mac OS. Right. Well, and, and it's like, obviously, that would have been an incredible deal for Steve Jobs and Apple because yeah. it, it's taking advantage of Dell's less expensive hardware, the entire supply chain, you know, some of the stuff that, that Michael Dell is known for being absolutely brilliant in putting together. And you're going to get a fee for every single laptop Dell sells, which is really just helping you seed more of your operating system. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> what, where's he the said, negotiation here? <laughs> right. Yeah. And Michael said another problem, jobs wouldn't guarantee access to Mac OS three, four or five years later. Oh, and no. he said, uh, that, that could leave Dell customers using Mac OS uh, out of luck yeah. as the software evolved. Uh, still Dell acknowledges that the deal was a moment in history of what could have been. It yeah, could have changed crazy. the trajectory for Windows and Mac OS on PCs, but obviously and, and um, Dell too. They went in a different, I, I mean, that could have been yeah. crazy because that really probably would have com, com, uh, created a very competitive like native Apple Mac device versus Dell Mac device. And uh, certainly if it was successful, you would have seen, you know, Lenovo and HP and, and all the other major OEMs for, for laptops around the world starting to yeah. kind of do the same thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of. It's a neat. That's a neat timeline to kind of wander down theoretically. Yeah, this, this is a super interesting article. Um, I'll publish this in our like. our uh, our chat thing here, but uh, maybe yeah. tweet it out from the account. But uh, there's a bunch of little interesting things in here. By age 15, Dell says he looked to Jobs not just as a computer pioneer, but also as a business entrepreneur. After making Apple's co-founder, uh, or after meeting Apple's co-founder in the spring of 1980. When a then 25-year-old Jobs spoke to the Houston-based computer user group Dell belonged to. And uh, he, he quote, he says, uh, when he entered the room at our meeting, it was as though the waters parted, Dell writes. Uh, this is in his new book that just came out. Um, he said, uh, he spoke in soaring metaphors. He was saying with his personal computers, people would have the capacity to accomplish the unimaginable. So and then cool. uh, five years later is when Dell started his, uh, his business. Boom. Anyway, what have cool, you done? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I apparently I'm not risking enough. So there's another quote in this article here. Anybody who's going to do something amazing has to have a somewhat different and unconventional approach. That's a quote from Michael. Mm -hmm. I believe but, it. Uh, I, th I think maybe my wife would argue that I'm not doing anything amazing. Doing some amazing <laughs> things, maybe. That's terrible lies. <laughs> Raising some kids. You know what else is terrible? No, no, no. I mean, no. I'm, I meant it in the positive direction. That she would say that oh, I am doing some amazing things. Sorry, that's if I not what weird. you said. Those were yeah, those yeah. were the wrong words for that sentiment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was interesting. You know, I didn't. I hadn't heard that yet.
Yeah, I didn't that's that, crazy. Uh, that they were talking about doing that. That they talked. But, I, mean, I bet there are lots of those in in history. It'd be fun to. You should put together a top ten things that could have been like almost was. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else we got here? Um, several people in the TBP community chat on Telegram, which, by the way, I saw Telegram says it added 70 million 70 users on Monday. Million. Just on Monday why. because of the Facebook outage. <laughs> Six hours Facebook and all of its services were down uh, because because of a command sent for routine maintenance that took it. The is that what it was? I, yeah. I saw there was an article that. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I did not read the details because that's that's. I mean, that's that's like reading about kids dying in war. Like I don't need that in my life. <laughs> but, yeah. But right. um, yeah. Apparently, it was a routine maintenance, and a command was sent that that caused massive sprawling outages th from their backbone. And then, of course, it took a very long time to bring everything back up because they had to do it in pieces and chunks. To, to prevent um, you know the startup from bringing other things down again so it was a, a long a very prolonged outage but yeah it sounds like it was related to routine maintenance <laughs> Jeez, yeah <laughs> they so think they like think that. it costs 60 million um, to Facebook the six six hour outage is roughly a 60 million dollar outage uh, that was at least one of the first reports I'm actually surprised that sounds low for I forget how many billions of users they have but uh, I heard some interesting stories on like NPR happened to be in the car yesterday listening and they were talking to uh, somebody in Ghana that basically operates their entire business in WhatsApp. And of course, WhatsApp is one of the services that was impacted. And um, it was really interesting to me because in the US, I don't think we do as much of that, like where entire businesses operate like on a single chat platform, for instance, mm -hmm. right? I, yeah. I understand from stuff that I've read and seen that, that it's far more likely to happen in India and Asia and Africa. Um, and, and actually one of the things they said on, uh, it, or in the NPR show that I was listening to, the, the woman that was talking about her WhatsApp ecosystem, uh, she basically pointed out that in, in Ghana at least, Ha owning and operating a website is actually prohibitively expensive for most people. So having a, a platform that's freely available, right? WhatsApp, it's chat. Um, but that allows for more rich interactions with your customers um, and, and ultimately lends itself to payment processing and stuff like that was is critical. But nobody really considered that WhatsApp would go down for effectively an entire business day. Like yeah. they, they just hadn't experienced that yet. So it was, it was hugely disruptive. And, and I saw the same thing from Telegram. In fact, they talked about it again on that NPR uh, segment as well. Uh, Telegram and Signal saw massive increases in new users coming, coming yeah. into the, uh, their platforms. Well, it's funny. It makes me wonder Some... how, how people will create alternatives for things like uh, customer interaction, you know, cause, cause I feel like you still, you build your business on top of something. It's not easy to just yeah. switch it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's why you interact with customers on multiple, multiple right. social fronts and all that. But yeah, it was funny. Somebody posted the clip from the movie, Facebook. Um, I forget the, the guy's name, the, the character that, that plays Zuck. Um, yeah, yeah. Great movie, by the way. Um, yeah, where he he does this, you know, he gets irate about, hey, look, we don't go down. If we go down, then you know, you you end up having this this event where everybody wants to continue communicating. They go somewhere else, and then they just stay there, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. 
the uh, the gravity of the That's conversation funny. is elsewhere. Well, in what terrible timing too. Some things. Uh, for Facebook, like it's they are that was that was a kick them while they're down kind of thing or kick yourself when you're down. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> know right after right is. after the leak, the whistle on the heels the leak, the whistleblower. of the whistleblow. Yeah, and yeah. and all of the you know sort of resurgence in scrutiny into their business practices and and all of that to have this massive outage uh, just just insult to injury for sure. And I noticed yeah. uh, one of the things. And, and this one, this I don't even own an Oculus headset, by the way, but this one actually just it makes me angry to see it because it's one of the things that I hate so much about, like the way oh, you were talking about Facebook yeah. did this. No. Um, so uh, Oculus, yeah. the quests became paperweights while right. Facebook services were down. And and that to me is so incredibly irritating. And I hate this shift towards like all things cloud and service-based for for the consumption end of things because uh, the idea that that a a piece of equipment that's you know technically advanced and really awesome and costs a good bit of money becomes worthless because of a connectivity problem yeah is just so counter to like what i think gaming and buying that kind of stuff should look like and in the case of oculus and facebook there is no advantage to the end user to have the Facebook integration, at least right. yet. And and what is potentially going to be there is weak in the sense that it should never be literally required to use the device. Like, okay, if somebody wants to integrate with Facebook and they want to have it post what they're playing or whatever, or it helps you find your friends, cool. If that's a, like a sundry additional... Uh, service or, or extra add-on that makes you happy, go for it. But it being required to actually play anything is ridiculous. Yeah, I thought you were going to mention there was a uh, there was a funny tweet um, right as this happened two days ago. Uh, people making jokes. This is at Gavin D Young. People making jokes <laughs> about the Facebook it. services going down make me sick. <laughs> Anyone who is using an Oculus headset at the time is currently trapped in VR, and if they die there, then they die in real life. <laughs> Yes, uh, that was great. I think you saw. I think you retweeted that, and I saw it. That I, I did. did. That cracked me up. That it was pretty, funny. Tweet something funny. Clever. I'm gonna retweet it. All right. Uh, well, so I, I ended up starting to starting to talk about Telegram because people there in the chat. Um, I think Borco dropped a couple cool things in there. One of which, did you see the Twitch uh, leak? I did. I didn't. Crazy. I have not read into that too much yet. Yeah, but it, it, it says a bad. A 4chan user leaks alleged Twitch source code, creator payouts from 2019 to 2021, Ugh. proprietary SDKs, and internal AWS services, and more. Yikes. That sounds yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. Three yep, years yep, yep. of creator payouts. Brutal. Yeah. So, I mean, what this means is like... Oh, for all the All the clients. detail that Yikes. goes... Yes. Like... Basically, Twitch got leaked. The entire website, the source code, um, <laughs> comments for the website, um, an unreleased console. Steam competitor from Amazon Game Studios. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a salacious bit of of news in that leak. Wait, what? It, one of the one of the leak you know bullet points is an unreleased Steam competitor from the Amazon Game Studio. Wow, Am Amazon Game Studios. Sorry, that's that's big. That is big, dude. I mean, the gross payouts of the top 100 highest paid oh. Twitch streamers. Twitch's internal security tools. Yeah. Yep. Oy. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, that's brutal, man. That's real bad. How do you recover from that? 
What do you do? Ah, uh, this is this this feels like the conversation we were having on the heels of reading the AI superpowers book, where, um, you know, one of one of the chapters was basically dedicated to how um, Chinese tech startups function differently than other global entities because they they basically start from a position where the premise is you're going to have all of your IP stolen. So you have to constantly produce new compelling reasons to keep your customers on board because there will be a, you know, effective copy of everything you've done to date in a couple of weeks. And so your (laughs) services have to be better. They have to be more resilient. They have to be more interesting. Um, It's like Twitch, Twitch just opened up to copycats the whole kingdom. That's insane. insane. Absolutely insane. Oh, Twitter's in well, oh, sorry, Twitch's internal security tools. You said yeah. that as well. My I goodness. Did. Yeah, that's brutal. Well, and and of course that that opens it that these some of those things, this that's a terrible leak. Some of those things are really unfortunate for end users because ultimately what's going to happen with the you know the source code for all of the clients as well as the internal security tools is that people will be able to sort of reverse engineer how they protect their users and their users' data, which means that without significant undertaking from Twitch's perspective, they're going to have more more leaks, maybe not of their internal systems, but of your data as a user. And that that just sucks because we get enough of that crap. So I'm tr- trying to figure out why this happened. I found another article, the record.media. Um, and it was it was done by Anonymous, if you've heard of them. Uh, if you've listened or seen any leaks or anything like this, then you've no doubt heard about Anonymous. They said they leaked the data as a response to the recent hate raids, coordinated bot attacks, posting hateful and abusive content in Twitch chats oh, wow. that have plagued the platform's top streamers over the summer. Ooh, I didn't know about that. I don't, yeah. I don't really participate in Twitch. I didn't know about that well, either. Like ever. But yeah, the only Twitch activity I have is uh, when we were streaming right for like a briefly before. <laughs> yeah, and then when I was trying to watch Russ play, but Russ moved to uh, to YouTube streaming, um, mm-hmm. higher definition. But he said, uh, or not he, sorry, it, it, the article anonymous said um, their community is a disgusting, toxic cesspool. So to foster Ooh. more disruption and competition in the online video streaming space, we have completely pwned them. And in one, uh, sorry, and in part one, are releasing the source code from almost six thousand internal Git repositories. Dang, dude. Yeah, that's uh, that. It's really interesting though because it. I feel like we we touch on this topic a lot, right? Like, what what should these platform operators be expected to do to prevent stuff like rampant toxicity, right? Yeah. And and I think like we haven't talked about it a whole lot, but in the gaming community in general, there, there's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of, you know, literal toxic racism, just really ugly yeah. stuff that, that happens. And I, all of the platforms have, you know, terms of service that say you can't use certain language. You can't say certain things. Right. Um, we touched on that cause it's a lot like other social media platforms. Um, but w- it is the burden on Twitch to create, you know, like a, a chat, a basically a protected chat baseline to prevent stuff like what it sounds like they were sort of pushing back against where, where you've got bot farms that are coming in and just wrecking stuff. Right. Um, and I, I guess I would argue yes, because well, who wants that on their platform, but also yeah. that's a pretty significant, you know, burden. Yeah. So. 
that's Dang. interesting. And I feel for him. That sucks. That that's a huge, huge leak. Yeah, this shows the uh, shows the power of anonymous as well. My goodness, because that's everything. Yeah. I mean, they just cleaned the closet. <laughs> they really it's, did. It's, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah, that hurts. Everything. What else you got? All right. So we need to uh, there was something else I saw. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is it all downers stuff this morning? It's all downers. What was the, um, the company that routes SMSs for all major U.S. carriers was hacked for five years? That's top of ours technica this morning. And I saw Twitter stuff on that. It's like, ah, oh, make it stop. Yeah, there was another one that was interesting. What was there was like a DNA one that that somebody shared. I thought maybe. Borka oh, shared. that was like oh, yesterday was or maybe even thing. the day before. Oh my gosh. The drone thing was interesting. I didn't. I didn't get to see all the details on that, but apparently, um, uh, some drone comp or there was a business competition. I don't have the article in front of me, but the losing party basically hacked the winning party's drones and just made them go crazy in in some part of China, right? Yeah, yeah. It was in it was in China. <laughs> they were on display uh, in the sky, and a right. competitor who lost the bid to do it. Uh, interfered with the communications and drones. Uh, it, it overwhelmed Awful. the navigation system and they just started raining down from the sky. Oh my gosh. I'll bet that was insanely expensive for the, uh, <laughs> the winning party. The drone wars have begun. The, uh, the video is pretty funny or not funny, but it's like, <laughs> they don't, they don't come crashing down. They're, they're not like uh, in free fall. They appear to just be land in landing mode. Right. So, but they land pretty. Yeah, they land pretty. Um, some of them land pretty aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I can't imagine like if it's just raining down in public places. A, people probably get hurt. That sucks. B, you know, some video. of those drones aren't people, coming home. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what it looks like. It basically there's people like looking up at all these drones coming down, and some of them like people are just picking them up as soon as they land. Exactly. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is mine now. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. oh that's that's funny and awful all at the same time i'm sorry i'm trying to find some good news here man trying to find some good news here. <laughs> it's, it's all super awful <laughs> um what else we got Ooh, google uh google's um pixel event the date was finally announced i saw that it's gonna be october 19th so nobody cares about expecting pixel. it to be in october and it is in October. No surprise there. But the 19th is the first time I saw a date. Some people care about the Pixel. Yeah, well, I, I say that and it reminds me that no one really cares about the iPhone 13 and the Apple Watch 7 <laughs> that came out because like nothing changed. Nothing changed. It never does. Well, I mean, yeah. you, it's new new money in. Yeah. The back isn't scratched up yet. Yep. That's fun. in here. What else is in here? Nintendo Switch oh, OLED review. I did I did uh, see something. I don't know if this is happy news or sad news. I guess we can take it whichever way you want. But apparently uh, Amazon is reportedly in in design designing a refrigerator that uses the same uh, tech as Amazon Go stores. So, you know, keeps track of what's what's in stock, what you got. And one interesting, like uh, my my initial reaction is, ooh, cool technology and potentially useful. And then it occurred to me that I don't need an Amazon sensor in my refrigerator to tell me that my ranch dressing is low or gone. Dude, yes. I was I was with you meal. until you said ranch dressing. I was like, oh uh, yeah, you have to have an alert on that. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You must because always you be stacked with ranch. You, you, in fact, I don't want something to tell me I'm out. 
at the like when I throw it away, I need it to be showing up before I throw it away. But what it can't do, uh, unless they open it up and 90% of people wouldn't use a feature like this, if, even if they did, I want it to know like uh, based on labels on the top of uh, Tupperware or whatever, which of my meals are running low from a leftover perspective so that it can order the ingredients I need to make the next one. But it's not going to do that. Oh, man. Um, Amazon opens its first non-food physical store in the UK using data from website sales to stock popular products, expanding oh. beyond the US for the first time. You, you, think, you think Amazon's ever going to have like a non-food, non-product, like maybe, oh, I don't know, like a CrossFit gym that uses that technology? Would you do that? Would that be fun? What are you talking about? I'm not I, just, I was Looking trying to find a way to bring up CrossFit. An Amazon... Yeah, I'm not going to say that. An Amazon, an Amazon you're going to buy studio. gyms? No, they they're going to make them. They're going to build them. They're going to make... Idea. They're not going to They're going to fabricate, fabricate metal buildings? Fabricate. Well, I like it. Did I say fabricate? <laughs> fabricate? <Yeah. laughs> I'm not awake yet. No, no I mean, that's the beauty of what that is. Total nonsense. literally just... Yeah, all right. Sorry. Yeah, bring it back. Bring <laughs> it back home. Okay, this one's interesting. Uh, Sundar Pichai says Google will invest $1 billion to support quote, digital transformation across Africa, including laying a subsea cable and low interest loans for SMBs. Cool. That's kind of cool. It is cool. A $1 billion investment in Africa's digital transformation. That's awesome. Let's see here. Yeah, man. I, uh, I don't know anything about it. And it'll take Banking a minute to read all this. I'm not going to read it live. But if you want to look into that, go Google that. Looks pretty cool. Looks pretty so cool. I saw I saw an article. Um, I think I saw it yesterday. I actually think it was posted uh, on BBC News quite a few days ago, almost a week now. Um, apparently, uh, uh, Google-owned um, AI lab in London is this? Oh, it's, oh, it's DeepMind, that one. We know about this. Um, they have an AI now that can make significantly more accurate short-term weather predictions. So being able to predict critical storms and floods, as an example, within a couple of hours to give early warning. And, and it, they don't say specifically how accurate it is, but uh, apparently much better than what we've uh, what we've got with traditional methods. Okay. That's cool. Tell me more. Like what's the, do we know, do we know how what's no, no, they, they, there's not a lot of detail. I mean, it's, they, they've obviously taken tons and tons of weather data. They've, they've probably done some deep learning on it and they've got themselves an algorithm now that can take, uh, all of our, you know, extensive weather tracking stuff and then make predictions based on that. But the fact they're, they're getting more and more accurate is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I would expect it to. Get right? Better. Get, Get better. better. The EU is coming after Apple even more again. Here's a new one. EU plans to find Apple over iPhone's NFC chip, focusing on Apple Pay terms and blocking rivals' access. Oh, burn. The charge sheet could be sent to Apple next year. Ouch. What is this I'm one, okay though? with it. I'm okay There's with it. Another. I'm okay with forcing the hardware vendors of these uh, walled garden systems to to make sure that there's more openness in being able to use them. 
I, I reminded, it's funny, actually, you, the story you were talking about with Steve Jobs and Michael Dell, right? The idea that uh, that could have completely changed the trajectory. One, one criticism that I've had for Apple for a long time is that it is so much more closed. And that's just, just yeah. another example of that. Like, I, I don't think I would have liked that future. One of the neatest things about Linux and Windows is that they have always been really, really open to you know, call it sideloading, which I don't even think was the term used back in the day, but um, it's easy to use all of the things in these assets. They, they are not super locked down and they have been that way for a very long time. And I think it has contributed to people's knowledge of computers. I think it has contributed to all sorts of sort of advancements um, and, and locking this kind of stuff down is, is anti-competitive and, and I don't love it. So I don't know. I, the EU is pretty aggressive in how it goes after that stuff. And, and I'm not always a huge fan, but openness and, and availability of that kind of thing, I'm, I'm always going to high five it. Yeah, there's another one um, somewhat related. Visa plans to trim the fee that banks pay Apple for recurring automated payments next year amid discontent in the banking industry. And obviously, Apple opposes the change. <laughs> <laughs> What? Less fees? I'm I'm curious. Yeah. I saw that headline. Um, I didn't really get to dig into it. I'm I'm interested to know a little bit more about what's going on there. I I think. Well, banks are yeah. trying. So it says banks are nudging Visa to change the way it processes yeah. some Apple Pay transactions because it's costing the banks more. And Apple says or, no. Or or they're just getting yeah exactly. I I it doesn't. It would not surprise me at all as people adopt. You know. Apple Pay, Google Pay, or any other sort of um, yeah. mobile pay ecosystem that the fees that used to go, you know, to Visa from a bank now include these middlemen, right? So Apple's yeah. ecosystem, Google's ecosystem, stuff like that. And and of course, Visa didn't change anything. They're not going to reduce how many how many points they charge a bank, right? But uh, Bank's willingness to play in this new ecosystem and pay additional fees—that's that's an interesting topic because you're yeah you know, there's a couple of giants there right and technology is definitely moving in that direction. People want yeah. less plastic in their wallet and more convenience on their phone. So right, it says currently banks pay Apple a fee when their cardholders use Apple Pay. Right under the planned new process, the fees wouldn't apply on automatic recurring payments such as. Um, Amazon CrossFit gym memberships, and that's a joke, and streaming services. <laughs> so for your monthly streaming service bills, uh, you would no yeah. longer, like the, the bank would no longer have to pay the the um, the Apple. Yeah. The, uh, the well, Apple and, and that's right. Okay, so so I did, I did see that little chunk of it. You know what's really funny about that is that it reminds me of this battle that's going on in like mobile gaming. Because yeah. if the banks can pull that fast one, then it sort of sets precedent for someone that purchased an app in the Apple App Store, but then has recurring monthly charges to continue accessing it or buying stuff like that. Those those suddenly fall off of the you can charge me every single time because I'm still going through this app that's that I purchased through the App Store. It's yeah. basically the same argument, except that fin, FinTech is... <laughs> mo bigger, mo better. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, dude. I might be out of news, or I might just need coffee or something. But I um, need more coffee. Trying I could, to. I uh, could 
I could call it up. I don't know. I got nothing else that's exciting. And I started pacing yeah. around my office. I, can't, I, I keep coming can't back to. Anymore. I keep coming back to all this stuff that's coming out about Facebook. And then the headlines today are Mark Zuckerberg denies Facebook puts profit over user safety. Yeah. And I'm right. just like, nobody believes that. <laughs> I, so it's nobody actually it's interesting it. that you, it's Even interesting. If somehow that you say it, it might be true. Nobody yeah. believes it, which makes it not true. That was my first thought was even if that statement is accurate, Facebook's reputation basically dictates that everyone assumes that they're lying to you. Yes. So even if they were doing some of the right things now, they have had so many either overt or it looks like sort of situations where they have made poor decisions along those lines. Yeah. You everyone. Can watch what they, yeah. Yeah. They just about, assume I mean. they just assume that they are they are doing anything they can to make profit and nothing else matters. And they've, they've just kind of convinced because the that's what they've that's shown how they us. operate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what they've shown us. So it's, it's funny because I had the exact same reaction. It's like, even if he was telling the truth right now, nobody believes him. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. How not to have a reputation as a giant tech conglomerate. 101. What is this? Engineers develop hydrogel tablets capable of purifying one liter of river water in less what? than an hour. Ooh. Why do, is that? Roughly, I'm confused. Why do we need this? Well, because a third of the world's population lacks access to clean drinking water, maybe. Why do we need hydrogel? What is it? Is it cheaper yeah, that, to produce? Oh, that's Does it store exactly. longer? Like, we have freaking chlorine already. CLO2, yeah, baby. Not a wonder cure, but out. pretty good at purifying water and it takes minutes not yeah hours. or those like filtering life straw things sure carb well and that one makes more sense right you, because they're the consumable they they don't they don't last forever but and and i mean I, I guess my argument is you can get access to chlorine tablets cheaply they're very effective they work in minutes not hours yeah why why do we need hydrogel well if anything it gives another another option create a hydrogel tablet that can rapidly purify contaminated water it's like the size of um like a it's like a dime maybe but like a little bit thicker i don't get um, it um but you drop one of those it can disinfect a liter of river water make it suitable for drinking in less than an hour i i need um, to understand more about yeah, why trying, we I'm, wouldn't just try to read chlorine or iodine i know i'm i'm forcing it we have we just i'm well, all i'm saying is more we portable right it, a chlorine more, tablet? It doesn't sound like well, it. Chlorine tablets are smaller than, you know, those, what, I forget the number of the batteries. They're tiny. They're, it's like your pinky. The the pinky fingertip is, is, is roughly the size of a... Chlorine? That's what I'm saying. That's I don't know, but I don't understand why we need this. Um, in addition to purifying water on their own, the hydrogels could also improve a process that has been around for thousands of years, solar distillation, the use of sunlight to separate water from harmful contaminants via vaporization. That's the one that I always read, like in the survival handbooks, if you're out in the, in the woods, right? It How to build this heart. thing where, yeah, where it basically was, creates oh steam that comes up onto uh, some sort of tarp and then the water what drains down into bowls on the side. What was that educational TV show that we used to watch in like middle school? You know what I'm on talking about? Big, uh, like the on ship those, or the massive it was DVDs. A, what were those called? Boat or something? The something laser disc? Disc. laser discs. Yeah. 
I can't think of the name of the show. Anyways, they totally did that in one of those episodes. But yeah, Yeah. the just um, what do they call it? Evaporative distillation. Yeah, evaporative distillation. Um, Materials for making them are extremely inexpensive. The synthesis process is simple, and it remains that way at large scales. They can easily control the shape and size of the hydrogels, making them flexible for different types of uses. I don't know. It doesn't talk about. I find it hard to believe that it's going to be less expensive or more available than chlorine. Yeah. But I, who do I know? It might Is it be better less, for you to, to less, consume? In, less toxic, perhaps. Yeah, yeah less that's what toxic. I was going to say. Well, but I mean, chlorine in water isn't really that bad for you in small quantities. But I wonder if the hydrogel, like if somebody ate a hydrogel, I can't, <laughs> hard to believe if it can kill everything in water, it's probably not going to do a real good thing to your gut yeah. in concentrations, right? Hmm. Don't know. Okay. Oh, we didn't mention this yet. We should just shut it down because I think we're we're running out here. Um. So Jeff Bezos, via Blue Origin, is about to send someone to space that has tweeted about our podcast. Fun fact. <gasps> really? That is a fun, fun fact. fact. That's a great yep. fun fact that I have no commentary on whatsoever, <laughs> other than everyone should be tweeting about the Tech Breakfast podcast. Even this, but only if you're going to go to space. After. Come to an end. No more commentary. Just <laughs> or maybe it means if you tweet about it, then you get to go do cool things. Now, uh, William ah, Shatner. Tweet about us. Go to space. Yeah, William Shatner <laughs> is going to space <laughs> on uh, on uh, oh, cool. Blue Origin. That's, um, that's fun. I had not seen that. It'll make him the oldest person in space to, to fly in at, space at that time. Not like, no, not currently, sure. but the oldest person to ever go to space. <laughs> That's Do cool. you guess how old he is? William Shatner. Eighties. He's 90. Holy cow. Really? And like, not just a little bit 90, like he turned 90 yeah. back in March. Wow. He seems yeah. to be, well, I guess I just see him on Twitter, so I don't really know how he's doing. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. That's wild. And anyway, I, I had I had no idea. That's crazy. Wild fact, All right. Well, that's a fun fact, and that's the end of another episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We had a good time. Oh, you did too. We covered a lot of news today, actually, for one of those mornings where it feels like we got nothing to talk about. Half of it was catastrophic, sad stuff, and the rest I hope we made happy somehow. So have a great week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing with your friends, and we'll talk to you maybe on Friday. Bye. Yay.